and welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Mark Hamer, and this week I remember to plug my microphone in. This is your Laps News Update for the week commencing the 21st of November. Tonight we'll chat a little bit about the games we've been playing recently, our thoughts on the Joystick Awards and some of the winners, and any news stories of notes. Joining me today are Andy, Kevin, Adam. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. So we'll move straight on to uh, listeners' questions and comments. Uh, we've had a few this week. Uh, first of all, last week's guest, uh, Stevie Patmore, uh, at Stevie Patamon on Twitter, and he asks, what video games do you wish you could enjoy but just can't because of the mechanics or difficulty? Who wants to start us off? Dark Souls would be mine. <laughs> I do enjoy mm. the game, but I, I bought Dark Souls 3 and I've got so far in it, like 10 yeah. hours or whatever, and I know... I just don't think I actually have the skill to get any further. <laughs> See, um, Dark Souls is a, is a difficult one. Like, I used to be in the same position where I thought that um, the game was just unfair. Uh, oh, you see, I don't. I fully accept it's not unfair. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. But I, but I, I'm in the firm belief that, like, if if you persevere, like, it takes a lot of patience. It really does. Like, it took me so long to get to to click with the Dark Souls mechanics, and then the same thing again with Bloodborne. But I honestly think that if you're patient enough, anyone can could finish a Dark Souls game. It's just a matter of learning the uh, learning the enemies in an environment learning their 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 attack patterns learning how to to fight them and then learning mm-hmm. the boss mechanics learning the, the, to noticing when a boss is telegraphing so that's one good thing that the, the, the dark souls games will do is the boss's attacks will always be absolutely devastating but they always telegraph yeah. them so you know yeah, what's yeah. coming and you know when it's coming and you learn how to react to it it's just bashing your head against a brick wall repeatedly until you get it yeah. and it takes it takes a lot of perseverance. But no, I, I totally get how frustrating it is, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I fully... So I guess it's a combination of the both. Like, the mechanics, I can't enjoy them the way they are set up, even though I can appreciate what they're doing, kind of. And then there's a mm-hmm. knock-on effect, because I can't get a handle on the mechanics. I find yeah. it more difficult. It is very, like, I don't know, maybe um, I, uh, if, if you ever get a chance to play Bloodborne, um, that might be more up your alley, because um, Dark Souls is very, very methodical. Mm-hmm. Um, the mechanics are very, very methodical. You sort of, you spend, most people will play board and sword. Like, you you know how, you learn how to block the attacks, you know, learn yeah. when to roll and when to do your attacks and whatnot. Um Whereas Bloodborne's a little bit more cut and thrusts, you have to be a little bit more aggressive, and if you take damage then there's a small window in which you can attack back and and claim some of that health back, Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's a little bit looser, in a sense, Um, so you might enjoy that more, but um, yeah, as much as I'm in the opinion that I reckon anyone given enough patience can complete a Dark Souls game, they can be painfully painfully frustrating which is why I've never picked up any of the the Souls games or Bloodborne and just sat down and completed it in one one go I always play it for a bit hit a brick wall leave it for months and then come back and try again later on okay maybe I I do mean to go back to it so maybe Mm. I'll try and bear some of that in mind but it is it's frustrating as hell so I don't blame you if you decide not to anyone else? for me it's probably Donkey Kong (laughs) what Mm, yeah yeah what I used to love it as a kid, but now I just cannot play that bloody game. I'm resigned to the fact that I am just goddamn useless now. 
I've got no muscle memory at all. <laughs> no sense of timing, it's all gone. We need to set up a um, situation like King of Kong, get you a uh, Donkey Kong arcade machine to sit in your garage and you can just sit and practice yeah, and, and become you the world's book. best. There's that book, isn't yeah. there, on how to play it properly. <laughs> well, yeah, can you get me a bionic arm? <laughs> Andy, you got any at all? Um, probably two what I've hit with a brick wall is um, Dragon's Crown on the PS3 and Dragon's mm. Dogma on the PS3 for, well, sort of similar reasons. Mm. It's like I've enjoyed them 80% of the time and then I've come up to the last boss on Dragon's Crown and it's I need to grind so much and because mm. it's like the golden axe type of game from a viewpoint, I just feel, why do I have to grind and it's going to just take it involve a lot of grinding, a lot of side quests, and it just feels like a total waste of time just to defeat this boss. And I sort of think sometimes it's part of a poor game design where you can't actually level up throughout the game enough to defeat the boss itself without doing a lot of grinding, especially in this mm. type of game. Um, the other, Dragon's Dogma, um, more of a different reasons I've sort of hit a brick wall with that one as well I've been, I probably must have put in about 40 odd hours into it and 30 odd of them I've been really enjoyed I mean, all of a sudden because I sort of do need to bit, do a bit more grinding but I have to go to areas and this, which take a lot of time to get to mm-hmm. so there's no. not really a fast travel system no not really no. Uh, well I think you can fast travel to places yeah. once, once you've been there but then you still need to go there and like more than most other open world RPGs like the amount of walking you have to do in Dragon's Dog mm. but that's one of the things that put me off it as well really it's just yeah just a lot of time walking yeah um, and it's really easy to stumble into an area in that game where you are massively underpowered yeah and you just get absolutely destroyed yeah and, uh, and then you get sent back and you yeah. Say, can I yeah. have to walk all again? If you just had to, f- I know you can go from city to city quite fast, but it's when the, the areas are on the outskirts, or you've got to get to a little village, you know, on the far side of the map, and you see you fast travel to one big city, but then it's still involved in another long walk or walk through a mine, or I mean, just like kind of be bothered mm. with it. So, a bit like Lord of Rings. <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. If I had to do the walk, maybe not, but it's just. <laughs> But it's just that thing where you just go, yeah, I enjoy the game, I enjoy the mechanics, I enjoy everything about it, but it's just, especially these open world ones, if you don't have a good travel system or fast travel, then it sort of puts you off continuing them. Hmm. Speaking of dragons, I've just thought of one. Did anybody ever play Lair? Oh, yes, on the PS3. Yeah, yeah PS3. Yeah. It used the um, gyroscope on the dual, and uh, wait, it wasn't even a dual shot, wait, it was six axis, it just yeah. used the six axis mm. function. That was quite good, but you really quickly hit a wall on that, and that just drove me nuts into, until I ended up getting rid of it. Uh, again, I think it was just down to the mechanic, you know, because they were it was relying so much on the six-axis controller, but unfortunately the tech just didn't hold up to the software's demands. So you did end up with trying to pull some impossible moves that you just couldn't do on the controller you got. Yeah. Uh, mine, my gaming kryptonite, um, <laughs> a genre of games that I would like... There are, there are plenty of games that I am not particularly good at, but I can still enjoy, like character action games. I'm bad at character action games. But if I stick them on it easy, I can still have a good time with them. Um, 
shooters. I'm not particularly amazing at shooters. Like I am below average at Overwatch and get routinely trounced whenever I play competitive mode, but it, I could still have a good time with it. But fighting games, I just can't get on with them. So um, one of my best friends is really into his fighting games, or at least he was. I, I think he's he doesn't play them as much anymore. Um, he used to play Street Fighter, Street Fighter 4 all the time. Um, we used to play against each other on Street Fighter 4 Turbo or whatever it was on the 3DS quite a lot. Um, and he talked me into getting picking up um, after after quite a prolonged break away from fighting games. I picked up Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and a fight stick on the 360. And went in and spent ages learning a bunch of different moves with like a, a select number of characters, and then jumped online. And I think I played about a dozen matches and lost every single one of them. <laughs> and not like narrow losses; like I got absolutely twatted online. It's a combination of I don't think I have the reaction speed, the, like the hand-eye coordination to be able to react, um, and the fact that it's like I. Don't don't appear to have the mental capacity either to be able to remember <laughs> the like precise input mechan like input um, for particular moves and then being able to flow from moves into other moves and start to do a move and then cancel out of it and and, and stuff like that. But the the people most people who play those games online seem to be really good at like um, fighting games used to be like everyone could but like everyone had Street Fighter two. Uh, and most people would just play it as button bashers. Probably most people who play Tekken these days are also button bashers as well. But if you try and play a Capcom fighting game online, you're more than likely going to come up against someone who really gets Capcom fighting games. And so I've given up on that, I'm afraid. Um, Smash Brothers, on the other hand, is an incredibly deep fighting game. Um, despite its look, um, you think it's quite a simple game, but like there, there are, there's a lot of depth to the mechanisms in that. But I can still hold my own online, so I'll just stick to, to Smash Brothers, to be honest, and stay away from the proper grown-up fighting games. But yeah, that's that's an entire genre that has been cut off for me because I just can't get my head around the mechanics. Next question comes in from Mike Dixon at TestU27 on uh, Twitter, and he says, Video Game Crush. Um, he hasn't specified whether that means someone who works in video games or someone in video games, so I don't know. I'll give an answer for both. Um, in terms of video game character, I've got to say Waluigi. I've got love for <laughs> Waluigi. <laughs> Sick bastard. He's got, those, he's got those come to bed eyes and that beautiful pink nose. And the crazy um, tash. <laughs> and the crazy, crazy tash, yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of someone who works in video games, probably Kojima. Got a bit of a man crush on Kojima. Um, or Reggie. He just looks like he'd be nice to hug. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got an answer for that one? Um, I've got an answer for a video game character, but I certainly haven't got an answer for anybody in gaming because I just don't know that many people in it. As far as video game characters concerned, it would probably still be Lara Croft, even though she's looking a bit rough these days. <laughs> she does get beaten up a lot these days, doesn't she? Anyone else? Oh, probably um, Julian Rignell. Who? Who? From the Specky days. Right, okay. Yeah. I've got one. All right, go on then. Mine would be, it's a bit uh, gaming related. It's 
Dominic Diamond, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I met him that time, I could barely talk to him. I was so shy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, got to, that's got to mean I got a crush on him, right? <laughs> it's only if you're blushing. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, what's it called? Games Master. What was it? Oh, well, Patrick, uh, Patrick Moore. Patrick Moore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's more the man you'd marry. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, that monocle not do it for you? <laughs> and our final question comes in from Dan Ragnar at Justin underscore Knowles on Twitter. Uh, and he asks, burning question. Uh, what's your favorite use of fire in a video game? Could be an attack, a mechanic, or even in a set piece? Um, hmm. The start of Tomb Raider Underworld. Mm. That's a good one. Um, yeah. You start off in Croft Manor and it's on fire. I can't remember why it's on fire, but it's on fire and you've got to escape before the building burns down. Oh, yeah. Um, that's quite a good use of it. It basically forces you down on one particular path mm. and you've just got to get out before time's up. That's a good one, yeah. Anyone else? Um, I liked Luigi's Mansion, how you could later oh, on in yeah. that game you could use the vacuum cleaner like in reverse and suck up things and you could suck up those little fire emblems and you'd like set fire to curtains and stuff to solve puzzles mm. I think there was some was it Urban Chaos Riot Response I think there, I think there was some use great use of fire it was by actually Rocksteady um, who did the Batman games um, that was good I remember use of fire but um, Fear as well I think Fear had it quite a bit mm. but apart from that I can't really I, all, all I can think all I'm thinking about is the number of traps that I hated you know fire breathing ones I've got to say either um, being able in Super Mario World to when you're riding Yoshi being able to suck up the little um, you know the little oh, fire yeah, things yeah. to jump up from the bottom like to, to, to swallow those and then spit out fire at the enemies that was always good but um one of the standout levels in Far Cry 3, one of the only missions that I can really recall these days is... Um, do any of you guys play Far Cry 3? No. Nope. Oh. See, there's one particular level where you have to go and destroy one of the pirates um, on this on this island. You have to destroy their weed farm. Uh, and so you're running around with a flamethrower whilst some crazy Skrillex and, and Jacob Marley song plays in the background, setting fire to weed crops and getting quite baked at the same time and the screen's going all wiggly and the characters <laughs> all... Like, there was a similar mission in GTA San Andreas as well, wasn't there? We had to burn some weed fields. Never finished it, so I don't know. I think that's one of the only missions in Far Cry 3 that actually stood out, so I'll probably... Yeah, I'll say that one. That was that was quite a fun level. <laughs> Quick uh, backlog-a-thon update. I've completed two games since the last episode we recorded, but I'll talk about those when we come to the games we've been playing. But um, Stuart's completed a number of games, it seems. Um, he wrote to us and he said, um, I have finished The Beginner's Guide, mopped up achievements on her story... And been back to play Zack and Wiki on the Wii, Heavy Rain on the PS3. And for his confessions, he bought Skylanders Giants and Swap Force to play with his son whilst he recovers. Which I think we could probably let him off for, let's be honest. Yeah, we'll let him off. (laughs) Um, And he cancelled his Breath of the Wild pre-order on Wii U due to the the release delay. And he said, I've ordered Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE. The pre-order was done using birthday money. 
So yeah, so I think that's three that's of us enough. now that have got that game yeah. waiting to play, or you've played it. I don't know, I'm on chapter three, I think, so still probably quite early in the game. But uh, that's going to be my Christmas game, I'm just going to sit down and just smash through that over the course of a week. Does it have off-TV play? No. Ah, Unfortunately, no. Um, it's got, like... Uh, I don't think we've really talked about it when we've been talking about the game. Um, your the, the screen on the on the, the pad is actually used as, like, not only your map, but also, like, your in-game social media thing. Okay. And so you'll receive messages from the other characters, and they'll pop up on the, the second screen. So you can't play off-screen, okay. unfortunately. That makes sense. Like, it uses both the screens independently of each other. Yeah, okay. Well... I'll still play at some point. It's, it's, yeah, it's real good. It's real good. Uh, right, so I guess we better move on to what we've been playing over the uh, the last week or so. Um, Kev, what have you been playing? Well, I've managed to get hold of a copy of Watch Dogs 2. I've mm-hmm. borrowed it, I've not bought it, so I've not ruined my backlog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cheating. It's not. Cheating. Oh, whatever. It's a lo- loophole. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Anyway. I've managed to play a bit of it. I've only played about, what, two hours or so-ish. And it's it's okay. It's exactly what you'd expect from a Watch Dogs game, basically. Um, it's certainly a hell of a lot brighter than the first one. Uh, the yeah. first one was pretty downbeat, wasn't it? And this is just a whole lot sunnier. It's a lot more colour in it. It's, it's going to look great on a 4K TV, that is a fact. And it does seem a lot less buggy. Apparently the online was fucked when it launched. Really? But, but you know. Yeah, well, yeah. It has, like, it. See, did you play the first one at all? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've completed it. So do you remember the first one had the sort of like seamless online thing where at any point you could get invaded by another player? Yeah, um, yeah. That stuff didn't work at launch for Watch Dogs 2. I don't know whether they patched it yet. No, it's still not there. Um, unless it's just because I'm playing it so early into the game, you know. Okay. Uh, maybe. Uh, but I've certainly not seen anybody pop up in my zone yet, so I don't know whether that's still a thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's exactly what you expect from a Watch Dogs, hmm. like I said. There's nothing really changed much as far as how the game works. It's just there's some really annoying little bits. I mean, this at least does have fast travel on it, Andy. But then, <laughs> of course, you've actually got to wait on an interminable loading screen for so long you might as well have actually just got on a motorbike and driven there (laughs) (laughs) I did finish the first one and it was alright this is definitely a lot sunnier but you're actually working with characters that I just want to kill at the minute your crew is absolutely awful on this Um, imagine the cast of hackers crossed with a bunch of hipsters (laughs) and that's it you've got it yeah if I can pick it up for like 20 odd quid in the new year sometime after I've cleared my backlog then then yeah I'll definitely try it out yeah definitely I mean 15 to 20 quid is a fair shout for it but 50 quid is just way too much It's there's plenty of game there and there's plenty to shout about but at the minute not a hope Andy what have you been playing? Uh, first game I've played was um, one that I've mentioned on previous podcasts is Hand of Fate Oh, I watched you live stream this a while ago. It looked quite yeah, interesting. It is good. It's it's the mixture of a God of War combat system um, when you're fighting enemies or uh, when you're going exploring um, trap in dungeons with um, a card game, a deck building game, as you go through and you play this dealer. I played through about six levels, six 
defeated six bosses of it, and I thought, oh, well, I need to go back to it and just give it a real good bashing, try and plow my way through it, and thinking, oh, there's only 12 levels, I'll, I'll, in all, I'll get through this quite quickly. Dispatched the next four or five quite easily, and then it got to number 12, and that was just a bit of a slog, because <laughs> as you sort of progress through the game, Every time you make a move with foreign the card system, you lose one health and one item of food. You get more curses into your hand as as you go higher, so more things go wrong for you. So you can lose half your health, you, your health goes lower, food gets taken off you quickly, so you, you're always scrambling around, there's um, less money. So all in all, it just got more and more of a struggle. Anyway, finally dispatched boss 12. Um, then all of a sudden you are fighting the dealer himself and essentially it's just a one long sort of boss battle once you go through all the deck and I don't know how you feel but I've had to take another little break from it because you refight all the bosses <laughs> oh. no yeah. oh, I hate oh, the game I'm going to talk about has that same feature actually and I hate it yeah, mm. it's not fun. Was, it's lazy. And I was, it is. Don't you think? I, I was going to ask you guys about how do you think about these features. And so far, for six of the twelve again, um, and I've been keep, keep getting killed. And it's just like this one last boss, the overall dealer, and I've got to fight all twelve. Again. I, I just like I say it's lazy. It's it's something that you've done before and you have to do again. There's no checkpoint in it, so once you die, you die. Um, you can't really save in the middle of it, and I'm just like, can I really be asked to put more time into it and just keep getting killed and killed? I've whacked it onto easy, so I've lowered the difficulty. Hmm. Because you can do that. And I'll probably go back to it maybe sometime next week and just give it a few more goes, because it's, it doesn't take long, you know, it takes about 20 minutes or something to get through it, so it's not long, so you can fill it, you can fill a bit of time with it, but it's just that constant thing where you get through to a certain point, get killed, get through to a certain point, get killed. And That's frustrating. It is, and the thing is, the game's so good, and I'd recommend it if you if you like your deck dealing games, or if we're mixed in... If you, a unique feature of mixing it in with a God of War type of combat system, but it's just this end of last level just spoiled it and soured it quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I've played a few games like that recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, just to get clean the gaming palette, just completely go to the opposite end of the scale. Um, I picked up Disney Infinity, the first starter pack. Um, this year from CEX got about six quid um, so I'll, I'll just start going back playing through these you know I completed all the Skylander ones earlier this year um, so I thought I'll just go back to this title life game so I've started playing it and the first one I've played playset um, so you get free in your starter pack you get Pirates of the Caribbean Monsters Inc and what was the other one I cannot remember the other one. Oh, The Incredibles. So I've started playing Monsters Inc. first of all. Um, here you play as Sully and it's set in the Monsters University um, sort of scene. Instead of the original, it's taken following the sequel. You find a basic, basic story, it's a bit of an open world 
um, as you progress it opens up more of a world there's a number of collectible missions to do there's like um, collecting I mean, 50 balls within a set time you there's little missions where you decorate frat houses um, get cards um, tackle an invading university it's, it's okay you go around sneaking on people and roaring them so you're scaring them um, the issue I do have it just seems it's not as polished as some of the Skylander games so I can sort of see why in a way this didn't really take off it, it seems to be named maybe a bit too low and the graphic style on the world doesn't seem that full and populated I'm not sure about the, the design of the characters I know they can't really do it as detailed as the Pixar films but it follows like more angular design I mean you get three playsets with it and there's I'll probably pick up some of the other playsets I think it's Toy Story and so on um, but for this one yeah it's difficult to recommend when you've played something like Skylanders um, especially Swap Force and then playing this um, and I sort of understand why it failed especially the first one really take off well this is a bit of an odd one isn't it because it didn't really fail no um, it made money I, I still don't quite understand why Disney shut it down because it wasn't it wasn't like it was a sales failure it didn't no. lose money at all it was making money yeah um, it, wasn't it just wasn't money. making yeah mm. it wasn't making money hand over fist like Lego Dimensions was and how Skylanders did before it um, I imagine Skylanders has probably dropped off quite a bit since Lego Dimensions came in yeah um, but you'd th- it's just it's a weird thing you, you think that that's like a no brainer something like a, like a Skylanders Lego Dimension style game with all of the IP that Disney have like mm. all of the like Disney characters all of the Pixar characters Marvel Star Wars all the, of the IPs that they have you'd think that it would be massive um, and it you know it sold well but it, it was it was always kind of third as far as yeah. I can make out behind Skylanders and Lego Dimensions yeah I think maybe part of the problem is I mean, when I maybe come to play the other play sets is there wasn't one continuous story so Skylanders had one main story mm-hmm. where you would, you could play through and it would have areas to unlock with extra figures I mean Miss Monsters Inc you need to unlock if you want to unlock everything you need Mike and you need the what's it called the chameleon guy who played by Steve Buscemi oh god yeah but you need I know who you mean yeah yeah, but you need those figures to unlock everything and with Lego Dimensions and I know Kev played it I haven't but there's one central story isn't there that you can play through Mm. take you to different worlds and all this I just think maybe they tried to keep things too separate so I know they've got the toy box where everything's mixed but that was just like essentially where you can build stuff whereas for the actual single or cooperative levels they're just very samey you know so there's you would you're not able to take and you're not able to what I understand you're not able to bring other characters into this so I don't mm. think I can bring Jack Sparrow into Monsters Inc it has to be Mike or the other guy or some other Monsters Inc character so I think that's where maybe it lost the game itself it's not a bad game 
I just don't think I think we try to keep VIPs to separate. Lego Dimensions doesn't put those restrictions on you, does it? Like you can put any, you can use any toy in any playset, as far as I'm aware. Mm. And you think that like that would be the dream with with like for fans of the Disney the expand expanded universe is like being able to play in the Monsters Inc world with characters from Lilo and Stitch or or a Star Wars game or a Marvel game or something like that or you know just mix and match like that would have been probably a better choice Mm. I think I remember reading somewhere as stupid as this sounds it was still something down to do with licensing even though they owned Mm. everything (laughs) there's something about like Marvel still have their own rules about what Marvel can and cannot cross over with yeah something I definitely remember yeah here I'm just looking changed now hasn't it Um, I'm just looking I'm just Playsets had uh, licensing restrictions, it says on Kotaku, so yeah. Oh, oh right. So, but, which seems nonsensical, seems as they're all owned by Disney. But I'd understand it with Star Wars and Marvel, you might want to keep them totally separate and fair enough. When you're mixing your normal Disney ones, you yeah. know, like, so your Monsters, Inc. Or even within, yeah, even within the Pixar family, yeah. like, there can't be any licensing issues between different Pixar films because they're all just Pixar. Yeah. Especially seeing as there's not there's that theory, isn't it, that they're all actually set in the same universe. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should be able to mix. Yeah, even the idea of being able to mix and match characters from different Pixar films, just even if it was just that, would be great. So that seems really bafflingly restrictive. But mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, and that's far played. Um, I can't really recommend Monsters Inc. for players at the moment. Um, I'm going to get onto the others, but at the moment, I wouldn't recommend for a lapsed game. If if you if you with you playing with a, your son or daughter, and you because you can play it cooperative, but you're going to have to buy an extra character. So mm. you're going to have to buy. Well, yeah, because the set gives you Jack Sparrow, Mister Incredible, and Sully. But you can pick them up for cheap now. Anyway, you, can, you know it's not gonna it's not gonna break the bank. So, yeah, Hand of Fate I'd recommend, but this one not. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, Adam, you've played a few games. It seems sure have. Um, <laughs> so first up, I guess is Gears of War Four. Which Gears of War more? Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. It, ju- it is just another Gears of War game, but. That's not a bad thing. No. And this is where, like, it's... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. And because it's been a while since we last had one, um, it's, like, a good, solid Gears of War game. It does what that series does well and Mm. just notches it up another scale, kind of. It looks great because it's the first one on these new consoles. Um, And it's definitely that case case for not changing stuff just because you have to and a very polished... You just need to tick... You just need to tick three boxes of Gears of War. You need to have big, dumb campaign, yep. fun multiplayer, and horde mode, and that's all you yep. need, and it will sell. And like that's got it's got all of those, and it's very well polished. Um, annoyingly, though, and Halo Five had this same problem. They've already kind of said this is part of a new trilogy, and it ends mm. on a cliffhanger, and it ends very oh. suddenly, and it's like. I didn't realise it was the ending because what was weird is most of the chapters have most of the acts have four or five chapters sometimes six this was like chapter three and then it just finishes of the last act and I was just like huh? Uh. and what was the last boss I just thought was just a middle of the road there's no like big bad guy yet that you fought against there's no general ram yeah, yeah so there's none of that there's no like central antagonist kind of um 
which is really frustrating so you just fight this thing and then you're kind of done and then it has a cliffhanger ending that asks more questions than it answers certainly and now we're going to have to wait two or three years before we get to even have a hint of what's going on there yeah, um, so it'll definitely be a few years because there's only one studio making this, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah. what they called the Coalition. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, but definitely recommend it. I've seen certainly over here in Canada, it's on some Black Friday sales coming up, like yeah. half price. So I would definitely recommend picking it up. And Horde mode's really good. They've added some kind of tower defense elements to it. Mm. Um, you're kind of building up resources as you go along, and you can place like turrets and stuff and. Uh, traps and they add to your score as you go along the way um, kind of annoying as well though people tend to drop out if you fail a wave once they'll all just drop out and it's like what's the point we're like 30 waves in and now you've decided to quit because um, they're a pretty big time investment it can take you a couple of hours to get through a 50 wave horde mode hmm. um, but yeah definitely worth it highly recommended to fans of the f- fans of the franchise next thing I know you guys have already kind of talked about whilst I've been off a lot is Titanfall 2 Um, I'm absolutely loving it I don't care what anyone says it's my shooter like it does I think we've talked about this on Twitter a few times it does exactly what Overwatch does it makes shooters accessible Um, yes yeah the Titans kind of open up an alternative option like for how you can play those games the man- the maneuverability stuff kind of kind of works two ways. Like you can be super skillful at that stuff, and it works to your advantage. But then also, I found that because pe- sometimes people are concentrating on the maneuvering so much, you can get a few kills even if you're down on the ground. You just look up and you'll see someone running on a wall, and you'll pick up a kill. Um, yeah, the modes that have the AI are really like new friendly because like you can just you could get and rack up a lot of points just peppering and shooting at the AI and stuff. Um, mm. And then you easily get the Titan, and then once you've got your Titan, you're like in the game. Um, the single player is like spot on. It shows what those X Infinity Ward guys like. It's their first single player since the whole Call of Duty mess. It really mm. shows what they can do. Like it, it's cliche, sure. It has your typical like your one guy that's going to save the day. Um, it has everyone predicted that the one Titan that has the voice that you're friends with kind of through the game everyone predicted that they would send you through like an emotional roller coaster with him they completely mm-hmm. do that but then it also yeah. does have a few twists along the way like each level mm. has its very own distinct almost like twist and they never revisit a twist at all yes yeah i've i've heard this described um in a number of places as like this is the kind of if nintendo were ever going to make a big dumb first person yeah. shooter this is the kind of campaign they would make because it's built on gameplay first yeah. like the story is just kind of there to support the gameplay yeah. it's definitely like form follows uh, form before fun- uh, form follows function or whichever way around it is or whatever um it's definitely like yeah they introduce some interesting mechanics um like the one where you're kind of jumping back and forth through time yeah sometimes whilst you're wall running yeah to make the different panels appear, um, and then, like you said, there's no real story like reason Guacamole. for that. Like, yeah, there's no story reason for it at all. And, it's like the story yeah. reason is just crammed in yeah. just to make the mechanics work. And then and they kind of like, dismiss it at the end of that chapter, even though it'd be quite a useful yeah. ability to have the 
Um, like you have like a watch that helps you do it and your character just sort of grabs it and throws it away after the level's done yeah <laughs> because that mechanic has you, you've played like that mechanic's been in like the traditional Nintendo sort of style the mechanic is introduced it's then iterated yeah. on and then it's sort of turned on its head and then you throw it away and then they introduce something new so it doesn't ever outstay its welcome yeah definitely and then you could um, apply that across the campaign as a whole like you can beat it in like six hours or something maybe even less for four or five i reckon yeah yeah, um, yeah. If, if if you're playing on if you're not playing on the hardest difficulty you could probably do it in about four or five if you're not worrying about the um getting all the collectibles yeah but it's very replayable as well oh yeah definitely i'm definitely going to play it through again for sure on, a, on that highest difficulty setting some people I've seen maybe go a little bit overboard, like Kotaku when they reviewed it. It was likened to um, Half Life Two and the first Halo yeah. in terms of like groundbreaking campaign. It's not groundbreaking; it's just an excellent campaign in the sort of shooter that doesn't usually have a particularly good campaign. Yeah. See, this is the thing as well as like the time traveling thing is cool. But I've talked about this game before when we were talking about Dishonored and that mirror time thing. That Heroes mm. Gemini Reborn, the game that I'm one of very few people to have played, has the exact same... It has two time mechanics, one that's like the lens in Dishonored 2 and one that's like the time travelling in this. But <laughs> it's just not as well executed. Right. But then that doesn't make this... that By virtue of that having existed in other games, it means that this isn't as revolutionary as like a Half-Life 2 was. It's just refining no. very good ideas. It's not necessarily bringing anything new to the table. No, no, there's nothing it. groundbreaking no. about it. It's just, it's everything is done, uh, the mechanics are used perfectly. Yeah. Like, um, it's it's not like a lot of these kind of shooter campaigns are more or less just training for the multiplayer yeah. and it is that to a certain extent but then it does it plays with the mechanics in ways that, that never comes up in the multiplayer yeah um, just just to show off what can be done with those mechanics when when the developers actually think about it yeah. that is definitely true and uh, mm. the next thing I've finished I guess uh, Hitman by finishing nice. the last two episodes um, yeah. So episode five, Freedom Fighters, that's set in Colorado, and then uh, episode six, which is called Citus in Versus, which is in Japan, in a in Hokkaido. That's it. Yep. And it's in a cool like medical facility. Uh, they definitely go some places with those last few kills. Mm. Um, there's a character yeah. in episode five that's kind of will evoke memories of a certain uh, horror franchise. Um, and then the one, the one in the in uh, Hokkaido is just brilliant. The way I ended up killing the big bad guy was incredible. He <laughs> um, <laughs> has a medical facility that's run by an AI, and you can manipulate that AI to mess a lot of things up. Um, <laughs> um, and that one, last episode's very interesting because you can't sneak anything into any of the missions. Mm. Um, so you kind of have to go in and acquire all your equipment on the go. Um, and it's quite compact as well. Yeah, like, it's not Compared big. to some of the other ones where there's like, you can sometimes find a lot of open space to be able to discreetly mm -hmm. choke out an enemy and steal their, their uniform or whatever. There's not a lot of space to do that in the Hokkaido level. No. So you've got to be a little bit more careful, a little bit more clever about how you do things. Yeah, definitely. Um, Did you find the um, Kill Bill Easter egg? No. Which level oh was that? man, 
in the Hokkaido level. Okay, no. But I plan on, like, now my mission is to go back through them all and get all the mastery things. That'll um, take some time. So, yeah, I'm not going to get all of them, you know, but I'll try my yeah. best to, like, some of them I know. I won't get the, like, silent assassin ones, but I'll give it a crack. Um, so in the medical facility um, this isn't really a spoiler in the stories it's just something that you can find in the medical facility there is a morgue uh, in the morgue there is the uh, the corpse of someone who died in a motorcycle accident and they're wearing a yellow motorcycle suit and a yellow helmet uh, and you can just you can take those clothes and you can also find a katana elsewhere in the level and then you can go full <laughs> kill bill <laughs> okay I'll have to find that yeah, it's not it's not clever or stealthy, but you can just go full kill bill if you want. Cool. Right, I'll give that a try as well then when I revisit mm. that level. Um also, I guess since I last been on the show there's been a couple of elusive targets. Um, yeah, I did the last one and I actually managed to, to, to kill him. So I did, but only because it glitched out. Oh right. When he went into the kitchen he was just stood there not moving. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, no yeah that that happens that happened to me like i i tried to work because like usually they have like a set route yeah uh this one doesn't no. like she uh, your handler i can't remember her name she mentions at the beginning that his his like erratic, movements are going to yeah. be a bit erratic so he's like a celebrity chef who's at the paris location and he's there doing a live stream and every time you reload it his movements will be different yeah. and i had the same thing on like my third or fourth attempt he went and just stood in the corner of the kitchen and just started talking to the camera yeah he's See, he wasn't um, even talking so, on mine, he just froze. Oh, right. So, um, see, on mine, he went into the corner and starts talking to the camera, and I'd spent ages trying to plan out a nice, stealthy way to do it. But when he did that, I hid around a pillar, shot him in the head, and ran away. <laughs> see, that's basically what I did. <laughs> so, I shot him in... I'd already got rid of the chefs, I guess, that are in that room, and I'd kind of started to set up the oven to... Like manipulate that so there'd be a gas explosion and stuff, and then he just appeared. Yeah. They all stopped dead. None of the his crew were like taking pictures of him. So yeah, I just stood there, shot him, ran back to where the guard's outfit was. I just the chef's outfit. I just killed and then just changed into the chef's outfit and walked out. Yeah, <laughs> and no one suspected a thing. Um, that's the thing I've done with, with every elusive target that I've managed to complete apart from one where I was really proud of how I did it every single time it's been really messy and I've ended up like having to hot foot it to the exit <laughs> at the end of it Yeah, you see. I've never done a clean <laughs> kill on those like because usually, usually to get it done cleanly you have to you have to sort of like it's a lot of trial and error which yeah. you can't do in the elusive targets so um, yeah they've always been super messy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um there's another one coming up this weekend as well, I suppose. Oh, um, shit. Which is nice. All right. But, yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that. I think it lasts a little... I think it goes live on Friday, so I'm hoping to get it done on Friday before I'm busy at the weekend. That is Black yeah. Friday, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a great game. It's amazing the wonders that the episodic format has done for that game. It's kept people talking mm-hmm. about it all year. Whereas, yeah. like, you think there's a lot of games that will get DLC drops throughout the year and people don't talk about them. And they'll get a lot of one-off yeah. things, but because this has been coming out episodically, plus the elusive targets, it's kept people talking about it for, like, an entire 12-month period, nearly. Mm-hmm. And who knows where it's going to stop, because, like, Season two's coming out next year, they've already confirmed, so... It's pretty good. Well, I'm hoping um, they haven't said anything about this, but I've got. I'm hoping beyond hope that when the physical release comes out, they'll just make 
all the when the, when the season's finally done, they'll just make all they'll just put all the elusive targets in, and you can just select them from the menu. Because there's some of those that I'd really like to retry. I would quite like to kill Gary Busey again, for instance. <laughs> so um, I can't remember where it was. They appeared on some podcast I was listening to, and they kind of insinuated that they wouldn't do that because they're absolutely fascinated by it being like this one shot nebulous thing, and then it's done and it's gone. Yeah. So the only way I could perhaps see them doing it is if you miss them, they would let you have a crack at them. Uh, yeah. Which I would like, because I missed the bunch. It's a shame, though, because yeah. some of them are so good. Do you remember the one in um, Sapienza with the two twins? Yeah, you see, that was just... I missed that one. I bought it just after oh. that. That was one of the ones that convinced... Like, watching uh, Giant Bomb do it, it was one of the ones that convinced mm. me, i got to buy this game. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah some, some of them have been so ingenious uh, that, and, and a few of them it's like that I managed to cock up through just impatience or being a bit clumsy that I would love to have another chance at. Yeah, yeah I mean, two minds is like, yeah, it would be great to have another chance to be able to, to play those elusive targets again at some point in the future, but also it is kind of special that they're there for a limited window and you get one shot at it and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and if you mess up, then you've messed up. And if you kill them, then great. But it would be nice to be able to revisit some of those in the future. It's like but, life, though. Yeah. You don't get a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very true. But it's an interesting wrinkle in a game that is essentially all about repetition. Yeah. Having something that cannot be repeated. Yeah. Like, that's the makeup of those games. Like You'll watch yeah. streamers streaming it, and they'll happily save scum. And try out things, repeat it, try it out again, do yeah. different things. So, yeah, it's built on that idea. And, yeah, it is interesting to remove that, like, safety net. Hmm. Next thing I've been playing, completely different tone and mood, is uh, <laughs> Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker HD. Um, nice. So I obviously played this game back in the day when it came out on GameCube and then revisited, revisited it. Now I've got this uh, Wii U fantastic game it's still they've they've done one of those updates that makes it look how you think it looked like back in the day like gorgeous but when you mm. you actually go back like the gamecube's old now it looks a bit blurry but this looks brilliant yeah um it i don't know how far you've got i finished it, it. i beat is, it last night yeah you finished yeah, it yeah. right Jesus, okay how quick did you play <laughs> so you, you played it originally back on the game yeah yeah do you remember the bit where you go into um, Hyrule from the Tower of Gods? Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's sort of like sepia. And in the original, it was black and white. It looked way better in black and white than it does in sepia. And I don't know why they made that change. That's the only problem I've got with the graphical change. It's like it looked way more striking in black and white than it. Like you know, everything's black and white apart from Link, um, the, the Link yeah. that you're controlling. Um, and in the, the the HD remake, they decided to switch that to a sepia, and it doesn't look quite striking. But l- literally, that's the only graphical change that they made that that uh, have any problems. And I know some people didn't like the bloom effects on the um, on the HD version, but I think it looks absolutely stunning. I think it's one of the best looking games. If the yeah. best look, one of the best looking games on the Wii, probably one of the best looking games on the current gen of consoles. Full stop. Easily, I'd agree with that. Um, so yeah, I finished that game. I'm playing it pretty uh, hardcore over the last mm. week. Um, How did you get on with the? I think I only, um, sta- I think I only st- the tingle thing. The, you know, the, the bit at the end yeah. where you have to get all the bits of the map. So that's still terrible, even though they have sped it up somewhat. Like you, 
but they haven't sped up enough so some of the tingle charts have just been replaced with outright shards that you just pick up and you're good to go um but it's still so laborious and like nothing's interesting about that quest nice. like if you're not if you're not going all the way to tingle to get the maps like you can warp to him with the ballad of winds but it's still like ballad of gales or whatever it's called um it's still annoying to have to go all that way to get him to decipher it then to look on your map and work out which island this is and then go to that island and then even the ones where you're not doing that in the hd version you're getting the shards outright mm. some of them are still like it's still oh you've walked into a dungeon with six rooms you've got to beat all the enemies and then you'll get the shard and it's like this is so lazy there's like nothing here other than like combat trials yeah. and that's not a good Zelda game no. and then and then going back to I said earlier when Andy was talking about Hand of Fate there's games uh, the game decides to repeat some of the bosses when you get to mm-hmm. Ganon's Tower mm-hmm. and it's just really frustrating and I've always hated this about Zelda and I also feel the same about Ocarina of Time a little yep. bit I feel like the castles are meant to be this like all-encompassing like you bring in all the skills you've got through the game to pass one last test like Ocarina of Time kind of got it wrong because the castle Ganondorf's castle was like too easy mm. and this gets it wrong because it's just literally like you'll have one room of a puzzle that's kind of tricky but not really and then you'll repeat a boss and the bosses aren't even hard in Wind Waker no. either so it's not like it's not like it's at all challenging. Like they're all very heavily signposted, more so than like ever before, as to what you have to do. It's more of a time drain, isn't it? Yeah, it just yeah, sort of like artificially just, extends yeah. the end of that game. So then, yeah. So I got to Ganton's castle last night, and I was like, "Awesome! I'm nearly done this. I'll be able to like watch a movie before I go to bed tonight <laughs> or something." But in the end, I didn't because it took me a lot longer than I thought because I forgot that that whole bit existed. Mm. Um, but it's still an amazing game. I still love mm. it. One thing that it does leave me thinking, I'm really sad that the Switch has basically confirmed the death of like the dual systems, dual screen systems. Yeah. Because I cannot imagine playing a Zelda game without having that second screen. The ease at which you can change your inventory items when you're sailing, it makes everything so much easier to navigate. Like I did play some of the game with the off screen, off TV play, but I found it too annoying having to switch over to like losing the second screen so I didn't play as much of it and it's just like I'm gutted that Breath of the Wild I guess on the Wii U will probably have the dual screen but we're not going to see a lot of that dual screen stuff and it's a bit of a travesty Mm. to be honest because it works so well Um, so yeah no I know what you mean that was Wind Waker it definitely makes aspects of Wind Waker a hell of a lot easier than it was back in the day when you still had when you just had the one screen um, in fact, yeah. most of the changes that they made to the mechanics of that game were all quality of life things. Like the, the yeah. Swift Sail, that wasn't in the original one, I yep. don't think. Um, nope. And then having the, even having the uh, wind button just on the up on the D pad, yep. because I think in the original you had to, it was an inventory item like the Ocarina was in the past games. Like, so you'd have to go back into your inventory, pull it up, assign it to a button, then use yeah. it. You didn't have the screen to refer to in case you forgot the songs. Mm. Uh, yeah. So they made some good changes to that. Yeah, they made some like um, little mechanical changes as well. Like, um, you know, when you throw the grappling hook and you get the little animation of yeah. it. Like, they, like, I don't know if you remember from the original one, but the, the animation of the grappling hook in the original Wind oh, Waker it was, it was so long. Yeah. 
every single time you threw that fucking grappling hook. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they sped that up quite a lot. Um, on the whole, all the changes are really good, I, th- I think. But I-, I know what you mean. It's like yeah. having now played uh, a Zelda with the second screen, and I imagine it will be the same thing with um, Twilight Princess, um, the-, the HD version of Twilight Princess on-, on Wii U. Having the second screen is really helpful, and then that's just not going to be from- on the Switch, it seems. Even if you think back, like, what, the last five or six Zelda games have had a second mm-hmm. screen? Because if you go back, we've got Twilight Princess re-release, it's got the second screen, we've got Spirit Tracks, um, Phantom Hourglass on the DS, you've got the remakes of Ocarina of Time and Majora's mm-hmm. Mask. It's got a whole generation of people that have grown up getting used to a second screen for a Zelda yeah. game, and now they're taking it all away. Yeah, so it seems. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, quality game. And then the last thing I played uh, was Firewatch, which I beat to completion. I desperately wanted to like this game, but I didn't. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, beneath it, so first things first, beneath it all, I think the two characters are brilliant, and I think the story that's told there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think it falls down is, and this could have been something to do with the marketing, is the park. You were made to think there was more going on than there was, and whilst it ended up being like this quite intimate story i think it fell apart because you were expecting more kind of and then yeah, i always assumed there was going to be something creepy going on yeah but apparently and they took isn't. it too far like if they just stopped at a point you might have believed it more but they built it up and built it up like it was this big conspiracy thing in the end it wasn't it was quite a i don't want to spoil it for anyone that doesn't play it was quite a tragic story and it wasn't for wasn't without merit it definitely it's a great story and I'm glad they decided to tell it but within that framework it didn't work and like just coupled with how long you spend navigating the entire park it was very frustrating it was like a two hour game fit into like a four or five hour experience and I feel like last time I think I was on the show I talked about Virginia which is also a story based game and how jarring that was because it had a lot of like hard cuts and stuff instead of making you backtrack but i feel like firewatch could have benefited from more hard cuts Mm. so like at the end of each day hard cut taking you back to the tower which it did do sometimes but a lot of the time it made you walk all the way back and it's like really all the way back for the screen to fade to black and tell me another day's passed um but yeah it's a good game i just i thought personally it was going to be one of my like game of the year contenders and it's not even close just because there was too much of it that I found frustrating. Yeah, I've not even started thinking about Game of the uh, Year. <laughs> <laughs> you better. It's in, like, it's in a few weeks. Mm. Do you think that it would make a good film yeah. then? Because yes. that's apparently what's happening. I definitely, um, yeah. There's a story to tell there. And I think for people that haven't played the game, if they keep the same twist, that's quite a good twist. Like it's, um, I think it would strike a chord with a lot of people. Especially, shall we say, parents, kind of. Um, and firemen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, park wardens. Yeah, yeah. park rangers. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, yeah, hard to recommend, to be honest. If I was to recommend one to a lapsed gamer, I think I'd go for Zelda. It's definitely... People that might be lapsed gamers might remember it around the time, and then all the quality of life adjustments it's made, it's well worth like picking it up, and it helps it guide you through the experience very naturally. So it's definitely one a lapsed gamer could enjoy. 
And it's cheap because it's Nintendo Selects. Right. Okay, I'll route through mine then. So um, I've been playing a lot of Titanfall 2 as well. I haven't really got too much more to say um, on that that haven't, we haven't already covered, to be honest. Um, I'm playing back through the campaign again on easy to get all of the uh, collectibles and all of the sort of like context-based um trophies uh, and then i'm going to play through it again on hard and then literally the only trophy i'll have left to get because that game's got three multiplayer yeah, trophies and player, the rest yeah. are all, all campaign and i got those three multiplayer trophies within the first hour of playing online if not sooner than that um one of them is just play online with a friend <laughs> 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 so um the only trophy i'll have left to do is do you know the gauntlet at the beginning yes they're beating that time uh, in the yeah. training level yeah, beating that in less than 33 and a half seconds, which, like, at my absolute best, I've managed to get it down to 38, and I don't know how I'm going to get that last trophy. Um, but I'm going to keep persevering with that. But, yeah, I'm still absolutely loving that game. Um, I know a lot of people who haven't picked it up are worrying about whether it's dead. I know, Kev, you were talking earlier on Twitter about how, as an outside, you know, from an outside perspective, it looks like the game's just dying. Um, because, as we'll talk about in the news later on, it's already being heavily discounted by a lot of uh, retailers, yeah. and it's been out for a month, less less three than a month. We- no, three weeks and three days. Yeah, three weeks and three days that it's been out, and it's already dropped in price quite, quite a lot. We'll Dramatic. talk about that more in the news. <laughs> but yes. I'm not having any trouble getting into games. Like last night, um, late on on a Sunday night, playing on a UK server... I kind of struggled to find a match on one of the slightly more niche modes, which is um, Last Titan Standing. But if you want to play on like the big ticket modes like um, uh, Attrition or um, Bounty Hunts or, or any of those modes, like there's absolutely no problem at all. Like even yeah. at just gone midnight last night, there was like nearly twenty thousand people online on, uh, playing it on the UK servers. Um, so I'm not having any problems getting into matches. Um, so if you are thinking about getting it, but worried about the fact that you won't be able to find games, at least at the moment, and it will probably get better over the Christmas period because people will be picking this up cheap as Christmas presents and it'll be on sales repeatedly for, from now on, I imagine. Don't worry about that. There is a player base and the player base is definitely playing it and it's it's so much fun online. Like I was talking to a friend at work um the other week uh he's thinking of getting it at christmas he decided to go for battlefield instead of uh titanfall so he's looking at picking this up um around christmas time and he asked me he said like if i get into this game at christmas am i going to be at a massive disadvantage and the answer to that is no um like players who've been playing it longer will have got to grips with the mechanics a little bit quicker maybe in some of the, the quirks in, in in how you play that game and we'll know the maps a little better but it doesn't gate um the equipment like say like cod always used to do where the best guns are locked behind you playing so much of that game that you'd leveled up enough to be able to unlock them like stuff is still gated behind on by behind leveling up but then you can also pay the in-game credits that you um that you unlock um for completing matches to just unlock that stuff early so like i went in and when i don't enough credits i just bought all of the titans straight away so i didn't have to wait to unlock yeah. them and the start so i bought tones straight away because yeah. i 
I was like, that's the one I like, that's the one I want to use, I'm going to unlock it straight away. Yeah, and one of the good things about one of the, the few aspects of the campaign which is about training you is like, you get the different weapon loadouts for the different titans in the multiplayer throughout the game, throughout the campaign, so you get yeah. to play with them, decide which ones you like, and then when you go into the multiplayer, you're like, okay, I like that mode, uh, that, that particular loadout, I'll select that titan and buy it, and then got unlocked now and have to wait um the starting weapons you get are all really good but if you want to get one of the other ones then you just pay to unlock it early like in-game currency there's no microtransactions at least not yet um so there's no problem at all with that in terms of like being at a disadvantage if you come to the game late so if you are thinking of picking it up then i'd say definitely do it so it's not going to be another star wars battlefront then i don't think so no no, I mean no. it's dropping in price quite heavily. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't been into that many shops where people trade games in. Or I went in a few today. Didn't see a single copy of Titanfall Two secondhand uh, mm. in any of the shops I went into. So it doesn't seem like it was with Battlefront where people were <laughs> trading them in on mass um, shelves full. <laughs> yeah, but again, Battlefront went down the the, the the same familiar route of gating content behind yeah. season passes and DLC packs and, and whatnot. Um, Titanfall 2 doesn't have one. Uh, so you buy the game, any future modes, any future maps or any future Titans or anything like that will all be free. They have talked about having a microtransaction system built in at some point in the future, but that is literally just going to be for weapon skins and like the nose paints for your Titans and, and different skins for your Titans and whatnot. So it's just going to be cosmetic stuff. So the actual meat and potatoes of the game, anything that they make from now on will be free to everyone. You don't have to buy. There is no season pass to buy. So it's not going to splinter the player right base group. at all. So there's no. no real worries on that front, to be honest. But yeah, absolutely loving Titanfall 2. Uh, jump back into Overwatch because they've added uh, another character, uh, Sombra. Oh, yeah. And um, they've also added in some new modes as well, which I, I didn't realise they were doing until I booted it up after they brought out the patch. So now you have uh, a, one, a mode which is like 1v1 and another one which is 3v3 um, elimination. Uh, which is really fun. Uh, all those modes are set on one particular map, um, and you get like a, a, a one of the the loot crates with the the cosmetics that you get every time you level up, or you can buy them. You unlock one of those for your first win in that mode every. I think it's every week. It might be more frequently than that, but um, yeah, some new modes in there uh, and a new map. But Sombra, the new character, is a really interesting character. Um, so she's like a um, she's a hacker character. She runs around with a little submachine gun pistol, um, but you can um, hack into uh, if you get close enough to an enemy character uh, and with enough time to be able to hack into them. Basically, for for like a good ten seconds or so, once you've hacked an enemy, they can't use any of their abilities. Um, she can also hack um, health packs. So for um, about a minute. Uh, health packs will heal your teammates more than they would normally and enemy teammates can't pick those health packs up so you can be quite strategic um, on some of the maps where like there's an area where there's a health pack that you know the enemy team are going to be going past uh, or, or retreating to when they need to get health just run in hack that and then run out and then they can't use that resource to, to heal uh, she can also turn invisible and run a lot faster for a short time 
Um, she's got a couple of other abilities, like she can throw out a teleporter that will stay there for about 15 seconds, so you can like drop your teleporter down, run in, do some damage, then hit a button and she'll instantly teleport back to where she drops the teleporter, so it's sort of like, she's quite a weak character, so you dart in, do some damage, and then get out. And her ultimate is basically she throws out like a shockwave, which will do the hack ability to all enemy characters caught within that uh, that um, shockwave. So if there's like a bit of a melee where the whole team is on a point, you run in, drop that ultimate, and then run out, and then they can't use any of their abilities for um, a good 10-15 seconds or so, which is really handy. She's taking some real getting used to, because um, she plays unlike any other characters in that game, but all of the characters play so differently it's just a matter of time of just practicing with her so I haven't really got to grips with her so far uh, and she, because she's a new character she's quite a popular pick so routinely when you jump in a match and think oh, I'll try Sombra oh too late someone else has picked her but I'll get to grips with her eventually but yeah she's she's definitely cool and that's that's another game that you know all these new maps and modes and characters all completely free um, all funded off the back of um, microtransactions which literally only gives you cosmetics doesn't give you new weapons or abilities or anything like that it just gives you new skins and new emotes and whatnot so that's another game that's doing a very good job of not splintering its player base moving on uh far cry 4 i had a good rant about this last week um (laughs) (laughs) i was about two hours away from finishing that game uh yeah rant part two (laughs) so i finished it um I haven't got too much more to say about it, really, apart from what I covered last week. The, the, the problems that I talked about last week persisted through to the end. It just turned into a massive shooting gallery, including a a, 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 a long assault on a fortress, which relies very heavily on shooting and doesn't let you play the game the way you want to, which is how you could pretty much all the way through the rest of the game. And playing that game stealthily is the best way to play it. It's the most fun way to play it, in my opinion. The shooting is not great it's serviceable but it's not it's not like a particularly great shooter and so that stuff felt really awkward um the main problem i've got with it is all the way through it you have these two resistance leaders um who have a very different view on the way that the the resistance should carry out its operations and the way that the nation of kairat should should go once the resistance has accomplished its its um objectives and gotten rid of pagan min the problem is they're both arseholes uh, and the choices that they make you make are both horrible and so you get to the end of the game and you have to or well, right near the end of the game you have to choose between two of them and like one of the characters wants to um, on one hand wants to protect like the the cultural history of Kairat and like the ancient temples and things like that but also wants to install basically a theocracy and make people live <laughs> under like horrible religious rules uh, and institute like child marriage like forced child marriage and things like that um, if you take the other route um, the other leader wants you to sort of modernize Kairat and the way she wants you to modernize it is by taking advantage of their most lucrative cash crop and start running drug farms <laughs> so you've got Jesus. a choice between two complete arseholes and it's like there is no satisfying ending to that game at all there is no satisfying third way and like i've got no problem with a game having sort of like a bittersweet ending like um yeah say something like the last of us has quite a bittersweet ending it's not 
a heroic ending, yeah. but it se- feels fitting. But the story in Far Cry 4 is not good enough to support that sort of ending, and it just feels so clumsy and horrible. And it's like it needed. It's a big dumb shooter with a big dumb story and it needed a big dumb heroic ending and it doesn't give you that and so I just finished it and just felt really unsatisfied and yeah it's like I, like I was saying last week the, the fact that it lets you play through most of the game sort of however you want you can when you go to like assault uh, the outpost you can be stealthy you can run in shooting it or you can jump on the back of an elephant and charge through the middle of the camp firing an RPG from its back like you can do whatever you want and then at the end it takes away one of those options just makes you shoot your way through to the end and it's just not fun um, but everything everything else about that game I really enjoyed um, stupid side quests aside uh, it's it's definitely worth playing if you can pick it up cheap. Um, I just say if you're not that bothered about the story, just don't bother finishing it because <laughs> the ending's awful. <laughs> but I finished it. I got that one ticked off. Uninstalled it off the hard drive, and I probably won't be downloading it again. Um, next up to take a complete departure, I I don't think I can really say I played this, but I experienced. Um, something on Gear VR called Notes on Blindness. Um, so this is an interesting little thing. It's It's got very limited interactivity. Um, it's not something you just sit and watch. You do kind of interact with it, but a very limited scale. So um, <clears throat> this is basically like a VR experience spin-off from a documentary called Notes on Blindness, which is about a guy called uh, John Hull who was a um, theologian and professor who in the 80s went blind. And the way it presents it to you is he made audio recordings of his experiences of what it's like to be a blind man, what it's like to experience the world through nothing but or nothing through nothing but hearing and, and smell and feel, not having sight to be able to experience the world. And so there'll be like the first segment is an audio recording of him talking about his experiences of just sitting on a bench in a park um, and how he can tell what's going on in the world around him. And it presents it to you through the VR headset, sort of like faint outlines of light and um, shades of faint shades of color and, uh, and things like that is something that you absolutely need to play with, um, with a, with a pair of headphones on. And you kind of just look around um, whilst listening to this audio log and occasionally interacting with um, little nodes in the world uh, and, and things like that. It's, it's really hard to explain. It's something you kind of really need to, to experience. Like, um, it's on Gear VR, so I'm assuming that it's also going to be an Oculus Rift, but I'm pretty sure you could probably play this on Google Cardboard as well. Um, if you've got a Google Cardboard okay. headset or one of those pudsy headsets that they were giving that you could buy <laughs> for children in aid recently. Um, it's really, really interesting. It's not... I can't really call it a game. It's more sort of like a, a, a narrative experience. And it's just... It's kind. It's an interesting way in trying to convey to, to somebody who isn't blind what it's like to experience the world without sight. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. the whole thing lasted maybe an hour um and it's completely free um i haven't watched the documentary that it, this was made off the back of but it was it was a, a, a an interesting experience and i i was 
quite moved by it and I highly recommend it if you've got a, a compatible VR headset for your phone or, or uh, an Oculus then absolutely it's try a clever it way of doing it I used to work at a college for the blind and they used mm. to make us wear like these like sunglasses that they'd kind of tampered with and stuff but they were useless like mm. it didn't really work no because you could like, see out the edges of the glasses still and stuff it only worked if you looked forward yeah but I guess like this like deprivation of all your senses it would definitely um, portray that feeling a lot better it is yeah sure. it takes advantage of the fact that's like when you're wearing the headset and you've got a pair of headphones in the outside world is completely cut off yeah um yeah, yeah. it's like uh, like uh, a few of us when we were playing i don't know kev you had the same experience when we were playing with the gear with the, the playstation vr headset at egx when we were playing um tethered you kind of forget the outside world is there for a while, and I definitely had that with this. It was just I was it's, it's such a surreal experience, but it, it highly highly recommended. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then finally, I played through to its in to to completion since we'd lasted an episode, so just under a week. Um, all of Bayonetta two on the Wii U. Um, God, where to begin? Okay, um, <laughs> I didn't play through Bayonetta 1, but having talked to a couple of friends who did play it, they said it wouldn't have made a difference if I had anyway, I still wouldn't have understood the story, <laughs> because Platinum don't really make games with sensible stories, and this is, as far as I can make out, one of the more surreal ones. So I had absolutely no idea what was going on in the story, so I can only really talk to the the gameplay element of it, and... It is platinum classic. Um, beautiful 60 frames a second um, pinpoint character action sort of game. Now, I, I'm not very good at character action games for the same reason I'm not very good at fighting games. I can't memorize all the combinations and things like that. So I did the same thing with this as I did with games like Metal Gear Rising is just stick it on easy and just play through it for the hell of it. You know, just play I through for fun. It, yeah. yeah just blast through it like it still posed a challenge in a few places so i can't imagine what it's like on the two harder difficulties or the the uh fourth even harder difficulty the unlock when you've completed the game through once um but it just plays so smoothly like um youtube channel that we've talked about a lot that i think a few of us are big fans of the game makers uh, toolbox he does yep. an, an episode you the episode he talks about game feel Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. This game has got that in abundance. So the, uh, the the combat itself feels really, really kinetic, and and it just like it, it, what you do with the controller translates to what you do in the screen, like per- absolutely perfectly. But then it's got this thing called witch time. So when uh, an enemy goes to attack you. Uh, the split second before the attack uh, connects, you pull the hit the right trigger, and a bayonetta will dodge out of the way. And then for a split, like for a few seconds, time slows down and the background goes all purple. And then you can get in a few attacks yourself. And um, once you get that down, it just feels so satisfying. Like you hammer on an enemy, and then an attack comes in. You hit the trigger, you dodge out of the way, get a few more attacks in. And then I know I was playing on easy, but I managed to get through a couple of the boss fights without taking a single hit. And then you get to the end, and the platinum medal pops up, and you think, "Yes, one fucking boss." <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's 
if you've ever played a character action game, this is probably, in my opinion, the best one I've ever played. Now, I'm no aficionado of them, like I said, I'm not very good at them. Um, it, I, I don't know how it stacks up against uh, on the harder difficulties, things like uh, DMC or um, even the old Devil May Cry's and um, Metal Gear Rising and, and games like that. But uh, I, th- out of the ones that I've played, this is by far my favourite. And having played through it on easy, um, and got into grips with the mechanics, I'm really tempted to go in at hard difficulty and play through it again because it's just, it just, it, it's really hard to explain. It just feels so good to play. Yeah, it's just sheer gameplay mechanics, the storyline and everything like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. When the cutscenes start, you can just sit back and just go, "What the fuck mm. is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, and it is insane. Like, you, have you played through the first section? With when they're out Christmas shopping in New York, and then suddenly, yeah. like three minutes later, you're fighting demons and angels on the back of a fighter jet that's flying through downtown Manhattan. It's like, and it just keeps ramping that up and up and up, and it's just absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, in terms of like game feel, uh, I can't think of a game that I've played recently that feels that tight, that responsive, that good to play. So even if you're not very good at character action games, like I'm not, uh, and you can get hold of a copy, just stick it on easy and play it, and you'll have a whale of a time. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to sell it again, but Transformers Devastation by Platinum. Yep, is a, that's another one yeah. that I definitely want to play now. Yeah, it's a cracking game. Very similar. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's as complicated move set as um, Bayonetta, but it's got that time mm-hmm. um, stop. You know, well, I don't down. worry about that because I could I couldn't remember all the move yeah. sets anyway. <laughs> I, I, I had like half a dozen <laughs> combos that I remembered and just would alternate between those, and sometimes I'd just button bash. Mm. But <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter. It just feels so good to play. Platinum are so good at that. Like uh, Metal Gear Rising felt amazing to play, and. Um, Apparently the wonderful 101 does as well. And did any of you guys play, um, oh God, Vanquish? Yes, I played Vanquish. No, I have no good Oh, Vanquish was great. That was like Platinum's take on the third person shooter. Yeah. Um, And it kind of got forgotten, um, kind of disappeared in like the seas of like Gears of War and games like that. And you can play it like a third person shooter, but it's like it's way more than that. And that's another one that just feels so good to play once you get to grips with the mechanics. Like Platinum are the masters at this. Like occasionally they will make really shit games. Um, but on the whole, they make absolutely cracking character action games. And this is one of the best ones of then this is probably the best one I've ever played. So um yeah. Get hold of if you if you can and give it a play. Like I have played the first one, but apparently the first one's very very good as well, and that's available on Wii U, uh, PS3, Xbox 360. I don't know whether it got ported to the new gen consoles at all, but no, Bayonetta no. 2 is only available on the Wii U because Nintendo helped um, fund it. But if you've got a Wii U and you can get a cheap copy of it, like I've, I saw a good few copies of it secondhand in CEX today, then. Please get hold of it and play it because you've played nothing like it. Okay, so moving on to the news, and the first piece is that uh, on uh, Friday the 18th there was the uh, Golden Joystick Awards or the 
joystick awards or whatever the hell they're called one of those pointless end of year video game awards where the industry jerks each other off for an evening and congratulates themselves on the games they've brought out um Let's quick run through some of the more notable winners. Um, so, the critics' choice, which is a good, uh, was an interesting pick, was uh, Titanfall Two, which is nice to see that despite the game being sent out to die, as we've talked about a few times, um, that it is. It's the critics are loving it. Everybody I know who's got it, with maybe one exception, um, really, really likes the game. It is really shitty what EA have done. They stuck it. The, the, like we yeah. we talked about this on the episode that Chazzy was on. We talked about this at length about how EA's desperate attempt to try and cut into Activision sales of COD decided to put out Battlefield One and then put out Titanfall Two a week later, thinking um, that Battlefield One will appeal to the Battlefield players, Titanfall Two will appeal to the COD players, and they won't eat into each other's sales. But then they marketed the fuck out of Battlefield One. Um, so that Battlefield 1 sold, I think it was like three or four times the number that Battlefield 4 sold when that first came out. And Battlefield 4 was, it came out just before the new gen consoles came out. So a lot of those sales would have been people picking up, looking for a shooter available on the new consoles. And Battlefield was the only one that was available. And it still managed to outsell it. And they didn't think that, to the average consumer, they'll look at it and see, there's a new online shooter out, I'll buy this. Uh, and then a week later, Titanfall 2 comes out, and you think, oh, well, I just bought one last week, I'm not going to buy Titanfall 2. They don't look at it as like it's a different type of shooter, they just look at it as it's an online yeah. shooter. Um, they don't make the distinction between uh, what is a Battlefield-style shooter and what is a COD-style shooter. They just bought an, a shooter, and, and so sales have been disappointing, as we alluded to earlier. Titanfall 2 has dropped in price at a, at a number of outlets. It's going to be in the Black Friday deal on Xbox One. It's probably going to be in the Black Friday deal on PS4. Uh, Sony was sending out... Um, did anyone see the stuff about Sony sending out emails on Friday? Yeah, To I people, them. giving them discount codes. So you got codes, yeah, to, to yeah. buy it for like 30-something pounds. Yeah, it's about um, 43% off. 43% off. Yeah. Yeah. It does look like... I know you were saying, Kevin, if to, the, to an outsider, it looks like Titanfall 2 is dead in the water already. Uh, but there is... But it's, it's not. It's just like... On the launch weekend that Titanfall 2 came out, there were six times as many people playing Battlefield 1 uh, a week later than were playing Titanfall 2 on its launch weekend. So it suffered from EA's stupid decision to put it out a week later. Um, I don't know about over there, just quickly, but here they Mm -hmm. didn't start advertising until after Battlefield was out. So it's like they kind of gave Battlefield that room... And then mm-hmm. they were like, oh, yeah, we've got another shooter out. We better advertise that. Yeah, it's like literally the moment Battlefield 4 came out, then they made a like, like really heavy push for yeah. it. It was yeah. everywhere. Like I started seeing posters up in town, and it yeah. was like the banner adverts on pretty much every gaming website yeah. for the week before it came out. It's like a week is not long enough to market a game like that. They should have left it. I would have been quite happy to wait for Titanfall 2 until like February, March time next year. Yeah. Um, when there aren't any other shooters yeah. out. I mean, I'm glad it's out, but yeah, I would have just played mm-hmm. more. Ti- I would have just played more Overwatch for the rest of the year if Titanfall hadn't have yeah. come out. Yep. So yeah, I would have exactly. been fine. Yeah. Um, I did notice they brought out a new trailer for Titanfall Two. <laughs> it's called yeah. the official Encore trailer, <laughs> and it kind of bigs up that it's the highest rated shooter of the year. 
because he got a great yeah. review scores yeah. and it's like brilliant guys good job <laughs> I mean like it's Metacritic uh, rating at the moment is 89 out of 100 I know Metacritic is not like the perfect you know metric to look at but it's it's being universally praised by almost by almost every uh, outlet there are you know there's a few that didn't like it quite as much but on the whole, critics absolutely love it, and the people who do have it, who have bought it, absolutely love it as well. So it's good to see that it picked that up, um, the the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, Most Wanted Game Award went to Mass Effect Andromeda. I can't really argue with that, to be honest. It's a lot of people's most anticipated game kind of always, award. I kind of always hate Most Wanted Awards. Like, the Oscars doesn't have yeah. Most Anticipated Movie, does it? It's kind <laughs> of stupid. No, no. But this is an industry that's built um, on hype, isn't I know, it? I mean, yeah. the, I'm still more excited for Persona 5 than I am for any other game. But aside back. from that... Yeah, which has been pushed back to, to April. Um, but yeah, I, I am really excited about Mass Effect Andromeda because I, I loved... The first, uh, the, the original trilogy, maybe not quite so much the ending of Mass Effect Three, but uh, as a trilogy of games, I absolutely adore them. I'd love the excuse to play through them again, if uh, EA and uh, uh, if they ever decide to bring out a HD version of it, I'd probably buy that. Hint, hint. <laughs> Xbox Game of the Year went to Rise of the Tomb Raider, um, which came out. Yeah, probably just after the the Joystick Awards last year, because it came out towards the end of last year, didn't it? And they had like 12 months, um, well, they had ex- exclusivity on Xbox One until about January, and then it came out on PC, and then it's only very recently come out on PS4. So, um, kind of, yeah, I guess that counts as an Xbox exclusive. Yeah, um, I would have given it to Forza personally, but... Yeah, whatever. I think quite a lot of people would actually, yeah, yeah uh, for the new Forza Horizon. Yeah. Like, yes, apparently very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> PlayStation Game of the Year went to Uncharted 4. Can't really argue with that. That game is a masterpiece. Um, this is an odd one. Nintendo Game of the Year went to Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. Uh, I don't, don't really agree. With, I know that there's not been a massive number of games that have come out on the, uh, the Wii U over the last 12 months, but... Tokyo Mirage Sessions came out on the Wii U and that game is fantastic <laughs> and The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is a, a game that came out on the GameCube yep. and the Wii uh, yeah. right at the very yeah the GameCube at the end of its generation and the Wii right at the very beginning that game is know, they've made it new and shiny and everything but it's still that's an old ass game and is that really the best game that came out on the Wii U this year I, I'd probably disagree but you know there you go best handheld game went to Pokemon Go um, hmm. I guess that just shows I, how mobile's hmm, taking over, and yeah. it's more them acknowledging what a crazy hype train that was. Yeah, I mean, it's if it was best handheld gaming phenomena, then absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Pokemon Go wins hands down. Is it the best game? Even if you're just looking at mobile games, is it the best game no. to come out on mobile phones this year? I'd say it's no. It's not even a good game. It's not even a game. It's there at the heart of it. It's not a particularly good game. It's just really addictive. It's stamp collecting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes, yeah, basically that. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's not a great game. Still, kind of love it. I still, I was still playing it today whilst walking around Milton Keynes. But um, yeah, it's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me, I was playing it when I was on holiday earlier the year. Um, I'm still quite enjoy it, but it, it's just a, it's just 
kind of like the loop of collecting new Pokemon. It's not on. It's not a great game, so it's weird to give it that award. Best overall game went to Dark Souls Three. It's not. It's not the best Dark Souls game. It's probably the weakest of the Dark Souls game. In fact, like of of the whole series, if you include Bloodborne, it's the weakest of the lot. Right. Uh, and I don't think it's the best game to come out this year. But not yeah, by their whatever. Because theirs is like that twelve month period, isn't it? So yes, mm. you're going to get onto another studio that won a lot of awards. I'd say that game's definitely better than. Uh, Dark Souls 3. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. Dark Souls 3 is a very good game. It's just not as good as the other games in that uh, in that uh, series from that studio, and it's not the best game that came out in the last 12 months, in, in my opinion, and probably quite a lot of other people's opinions as well. I don't think it will pop up in my Game of the Year list, um, to be honest. No, same. It won't go on mine. What about Lego Star Wars? That came out this year. Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Just run through some of the other highlights because there were a lot of awards, most of which I don't care about. Uh, Pokemon Go also won Innovation of the Year. That's probably a more accurate award for it than Best Handheld. Um, Best Original Game was Overwatch. Can't really argue with that for a a new IP, for a a brand new type of game for that particular shit. It's not first-person shooters are not new, but Blizzard had never made one before. Um, That game is is a masterpiece. It's a phenomenal game so can't really uh, argue with that um best audio went to fallout 4 uh which is interesting because you think that in a year when dice brings out a new game that award is automatically going to go to dice because no matter what you feel about their games dice are the masters of sound design like if you ever played a battlefield game or Star Wars Battlefronts with a good headset on or a good surround sound system, those games sound absolutely yep. phenomenal. And Fallout Four, just I, I I can't really remember the sound design being that great. Yeah. Didn't Star Wars Battlefront come out around about this time last year? I think Battlefront came out November. Yeah, it, I think it came out after Fallout. But regardless of what you think of that game as a whole, the sound design is amazing in that game. Yeah. It sounds incredible. Well, it's got Ben Bird doing sound on that, so it should be. Yeah. Best indie game of the year went to Firewatch. Um, I haven't played it. Man, Adam, you've got some reservations about it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't agree. Um, like I'd say like Inside is a better game. Yeah, the critics seem to agree that Inside was... A, a, a probably yeah. better game than Firewatch as well. Um, best multiplayer game also went to Overwatch. Can't argue with that. Best gaming moment went to play of the game in Overwatch, which is a system I really enjoy as well, yeah. so I can't really yeah. argue with that either. PC game of the year went to Overwatch. The game that, that won quite a lot was um, The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine, which is unusual because it's not really a game as m- more of an expansion to um, a game, uh, an existing game that came out around March time last year. Um, came out reasonably early 2015. So Blood and Wine came out uh, early this year. And I guess you could probably class it because it's not like your regular sort of DLC. It's an old school expansion uh, in that... If you combine Blood and Wine with Hearts of Stone uh, together, they are bigger than the entirety of The Witcher 2. So they really went all in when it comes to to expansions. And that that season pass was like £20 for the two pieces of DLC, which is ridiculous. But I could go on at length about how much I love CD Projekt Red. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I haven't finished Blood and Wine myself, but having played a good 15, 20 hours of it, it's absolutely incredible. Um, as was the entirety of Witcher 3, it was my game of the year last year. And yeah, I mean, have, have, have any of you guys played any of The Witcher 3 or Blood and Wine in particular? Not Blood and Wine, I finished The Witcher 3 like regular. Mm. You not played any of the DLC then? No. Thinking of picking it up, it's all on sale at the moment in the Xbox Black Friday sale, so I might pick it up. Yeah, well, like the Game of the Year edition uh, is £20 at the moment oh, wow. on the PS4 cheap. store, so that's, that's oh, I'd say, getting on for 200 hours worth of game for 20 quid, which is an absolute <laughs> bargain if you've got the time to sink into it. It's In terms of like a fantasy RPG, it's probably the best one I've ever played. I'd say it probably even pips Skyrim for me. So yeah, that picked up awards for best storytelling, uh, best visual design. Did it win Studio of the Year yes. as well or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah Studio, Studio of, the of the Year as well. CD Projekt Red should be Studio of the Year every year. <laughs> They're a great studio. I mean, like the CD Projekt Red um, run good old games, which is like the DRM-free alternative to Steam um, for PC gaming. Um, they're one of the only studios that still insist on when you when you buy a game, it comes with a manual. Um, when if you got the physical copy of uh, The Witcher Three, it wasn't like a special edition. You, if you just bought the basic version of it, it came with a chunky manual, a secondary booklet which gave the like a brief history of the Witcher series, a map of the world, and then a little note thanking you personally for buying their game and the soundtrack on CD and the wow. soundtrack on CD. Yeah, yeah. they did the same thing with uh, The Witcher Two Enhanced uh, Edition when that when they ported that from PC onto uh, Xbox Three Sixty on the last generation. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love them, uh, and I cannot wait for um, uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, the, the new game that they're working on. Because from what little I've seen and the, the, the few little hints that they've they've let they've let out of the studio, it seems like the closest thing I'll ever get to a proper Blade Runner style game. Uh, but like you know, a big open world RPG, but set in like a cyberpunk sort of uh, world I oh, just can't wait for that um, yeah uh, CD Projekt Red are one of the, the, the best studios out there at the moment and uh, they are one of the few like developers slash publishers who are really pro-consumer um, in a world where more and more publishers are doing anything they can to, to make as much money as possible and the consumers be damned so as much praise as they can get I'm very happy for that one other thing from Golden Joysticks, Lara Croft got uh, entered into the Gaming Hall of Fame, which <sighs> is probably about time, to be honest. Still looking rough, though. Yeah, she is. Well, she is now, yeah. <laughs> she gets beaten up a lot. But, um, yeah, Lara Croft's kind of been... She's. Well, I mean, when did the first Tomb Raider oh, come God, out? Oh, God, 1996? Yeah, it's 20 years. It is 20 years. Jesus. I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> and the new PS4 version of... It is an anniversary, isn't it? We're saying it's a celebration of Tomb Raider. All right. So it's 20 years. So, yeah, it's about bloody time that she got um, inducted into the Hall of Fame because, like, she was kind of like a, the, one of the PlayStation's gaming mascots all the way through the 90s. Um games kind of fell off a little bit during the early 2000s and then but the reboot I mean, I've only played the first one but I thought it was excellent uh, and the reviews say that that, uh, that Rise of the Tomb Raider is great and as we saw from that leak a few weeks ago um, they're making another one as well so she's still soldiering mm. on 
I loved Underworld, and that got some really bad press, and I can't understand it, because that was just such a, a good, solid yeah. Tomb Raider game. It was a good one, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. I think it just fallen out of favour with the public, basically, that one. Yeah. The good, big, um, some good spin-offs as well. Um, Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light and Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris. Uncharted. And Lara Croft... Uh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Lara Croft Go. Uh, yeah, so it's about time she got entered into the mm. frame. Lego Dimensions is getting another pack. Um, Red Dwarf's being added in. Yes. Well, so... Well, sort of, what there is in mm. the um, Doctor Who Dimensions level pack is there's a little room which is of Lister's room. And I think it plays right. the Red Dwarf theme tune. And people are speculating that there will be a fun pack of, or a level pack of some type of Red Dwarf. Mm. I think also it's in what you can do. You can um, submit ideas to Lego, and then they get voted upon as a set, as right. a proper set. So, like through this, you got stuff like Doctor Who's TARDIS. You've had the Ecto one from Ghostbusters come through these Lego ideas. Wallies on it as well. Um, and at the moment, somebody's submitted a Red Dwarf set, and that's been going through the process. Sales figures for games like we already talked about Titanfall two being disappointed. Um, COD Infinite Warfare is down forty eight percent on uh, Black Ops three, um, which is a massive dent, but still not enough to knock it off no. the off even number two in the it's charts. Still like the only one. game that sold fast. Yeah. Is it? I thought yeah. uh, FIFA was no, still, it's number, still one. number one. Um, oh wow! FIFA oh, was who's the number one seller for the year? Yeah, first week. Yeah. This is so the, far. These are first week. Yeah, but so far Call of Duty is still at number one because um, what was released last week? But it's only gone in at number two. Watch Dogs 2. That's it, Watch Dogs 2. Yeah, Yeah. thanks, Andy. Mm. I've just been reading about it about (laughs) half an hour ago. Wow, that's it. (laughs) It's all kicking in. Yeah, but when you look at the figures... Dishonored two was down thirty eight percent on its on the first one. That I don't get because they're like so. We've also got Watch Dogs two is sold an estimated eighty thousand compared to three hundred eighty thousand for the first one. That I can get because if you look at the pre release footage that they showed for Watch Dogs two and then the disappointment that people had when the final game came mm. out, I think people mm. would think right, I was I was burnt last time. I'm not going to get Watch Dogs two. I can get that. Dishonored one was a great game. Uh, and yeah. it reviewed well, yeah. uh, so I don't get why Dishonored Two is down. That I mean, that's thirty eight percent on the first one. I maybe it's just because this is a very crowded time of year, but I'm pretty sure it came out during the crowded time the first time as well. It came out during silly season last time as mm. well. Like, yeah, but maybe it was so different that people, and uh, maybe it had a longer tail. Like, like we keep saying now, it had a longer tail. It yeah. was more word of mouth. It came out in October 2012, so it came out in the middle of city season then, and yes, it was a new IP and it was something interesting, but that was four years ago, so you'd think that people who played it and enjoyed it would have an appetite for it to play a new one. Is the other thing we're for, like forgetting about digital sales, are they like rising more than we think they are? Yeah, did they count as part of the chart yet? Is it like... Mm, no. See, they don't charts. over here. Mm. And right, they don't yeah. in the states with the NDP MPDs, so I'm not sure about um, what is it UK chat no. um, chart track, right? Mm. 
and so i don't know physical yeah so yeah. then could that be a lot of it could people be buying more digital you might games have it nailed then? there yeah but why would you buy a game brand new digitally rather than on disc um i because it's yeah. so expensive to get yeah. stuff digitally still, yeah like yeah day yeah. one but then people pay for the convenience I yes guess. maybe yeah and like you're not accounting for like I'm all of these games are on, <laughs> all these games are on PC. I know, but you know, but all these games. The other thing of it is, so all these games are on PC, aren't they? The cheapest way to buy yeah. all these games is on yeah. Steam because Steam games yeah. typically are that bit cheaper than um, console games. Mm. It's just like we're never going to find out because Steam will never release their sales figures. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the no, closest never. you can get is using um, like Steam stats for online games, isn't it? Um, yeah, forget what it's called. There's that website, isn't it? That Steam, I think it might be called Steam Stats, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, Steam Spy. Exactly. That's it. Steam Spy. Steam yeah, Spy. One, yeah. So that tracks like active users and stuff, and like so you can kind of gauge some sales things from that, but not entirely. But yeah, I wonder. Like I've never, like certainly here, I've never known a digital game be cheaper physically. I remember I got Watch uh, Witcher Three digitally because they did like a twenty percent off deal if you pre-ordered it one specific weekend. But then it's never been repeated on Xbox at least. I don't buy games digitally unless they're on sale because they're just prohibitively expensive. Like I looked just out of curiosity, I was like, oh, I wonder how much um, Watch Dogs Two and like Final Fantasy um, Fifteen are going to be um, brand new. And I looked at the pre-orders and it's like it's it's like fifty five pounds. Which is obscene. Like, you can pre-order those games through various online retailers for a shade over 30. It's like me, I always pre-order from Amazon because every three they do a thing where you can pre-order new games for $50 and it's like games cost $80 here. So mm. I'm nearly getting like, I'm nearly getting another game in for the price of what I'm saving. Yeah. If I'm getting a pre-release, I always use simplygames.com here because... Yep. They're ridiculously cheap and very efficient. Yeah, Simply Games, Game Seek, uh, the Game Collection. Um, you just go on Frugal Gaming yeah. and, and see what, who's going to have the cheapest for it. Considering that at least Xbox and possibly Sony before they did a U-turn that we'd never really confirmed um, at the beginning of the generation were possibly trying to do everything they could to crush the brick-and-mortar stores. Um with the whole, remember the Xbox thing, mm-hmm. like you buy the disc and then you can't trade it in um, and you can't lend it to somebody. Um, <laughs> can't play I thought it. that they would go down. Yeah, you, th- <laughs> you thought that they would try and go down the Steam route of just like selling games cheaper digitally so that people buy them directly through them and then there's no like, uh, there's no overheads really. Um, but they haven't done that at no. all. So I don't know many people who buy games brand new digitally. No. Really. <laughs> Okie doke, so, uh, future episode announcements. Uh, we will be recording our next Ballyhoo, Ballyhoo show. Um, probably by the time this episode comes out, you'll have a day um, to read through uh, Bill Willingham's uh, comic book, World of Fables, Volume 2, uh, which covers issues 6 and 10, if you're reading the singles. Uh, and that storyline comprises the, uh, the Animal Farm story arc. Uh, so, get those comics read if you've got enough time. Um... If not, then, you know, still listen along anyway. Uh, if you have read them, then let us know uh, your thoughts on those uh, on those comics. Um, you can also listen to our previous episode on Volume 1 of Fables and the uh, Season 1 of The Wolf Among Us video game, and uh, you can let us know your, uh, your thoughts on the series as a whole. Um, 
As always, you can get in contact with us, uh, send us questions or suggestions, feedback, etc., or anything else you'd like to have us read out on the show uh, through a variety of means. We can be reached via email, uh, which is lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit us on Twitter at lapsedgamer. Uh, you can like and leave comments on our Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR community Facebook group. Um, you can also check out our Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel as well as our occasional Lapsed Gamer Twitch channel broadcasts. Uh, Adam, have you uploaded the um, footage from your 24-hour stream yet? No. Um because uh, it'll take me a bit longer because I did it on my personal Twitch channel so I can't just export it without messing about with all my uh, connections and stuff you know like which platforms linked but I will be work- I'm going to work on it it's going to happen and I'll make sure I put up like, everything that we shared together like the um, Jackbox party pack and all that stuff oh god that was so much fun <laughs> it was a lot of fun is there any way of exporting um, stuff from uh, Periscope uh, yes, there is. Oh, you should absolutely include that as well. Okay. Your, your trip to um, yeah. Wendy's. Was it Wendy's? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. You we didn't just... get high and go to White Castle? No. Well, <laughs> no, actually, steady, steady now, you, now you mention that, there's a bit late on in that film where they're in a plaza just before they get to White Castle, and it was literally filmed 100 metres from my house where I live really yeah <laughs> there's just this random right. parking lot and when you look at it there's a shopper's drug mart which doesn't exist in the states and then there's a hairdressers and a florist and me and my wife watched that movie not that long ago just for because we hadn't seen it for a while and I was like hang on a sec I recognise that florist <laughs> and we looked it up and it is actually filmed in that parking lot and I don't know why a lot of that film was filmed in Canada instead of in the states but I don't know why yeah. they decided to come to this city specifically and film that one bit. A bit cheaper. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Tax breaks, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so no, we didn't do that. We just went to Wendy's and we filmed ourselves going yeah. there and streamed it. <laughs> and eating burgers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that'll be up there soon. Yeah, so check that out when it's uploaded. Um, as always, if you want any other additional content and for more information about episodes and uh, contact details, then you can head over to the LGR blog, which is uh, lapsedgamer.com. Uh, finally you can find all our uh, podcast episodes to stream or mp3 download at our Podbean web address which is lapsgamerradio.podbean.com uh, also please be so kind as to subscribe and review Lapsgamer Radio on iTunes and I guess also left to be said is uh, thanks for listening today uh, do let us know what games you've been playing what new stories are catching your attention and uh, if you'd like to be on a future episode with us then do let us know and I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and goodbye bye so long hello hello